yeah, the second Fast and the Furious. I remember that came out when I was in college, and it was the perfect fun movie to watch and make fun of. I can't believe Tyrese is still in it, and he's like the comic relief. Oh, I know. Yeah, he's the funny one. In those movies, he's the comic relief. <laughs> he's always just like, yo, you're not going to do what I think you're going to do, are you? Yeah. I like how the comic relief is like a just a stacked 10 model, male model. Like, he's <laughs> exactly. the comic relief. Who's like, always okay. surprised that they're still driving fast. Like, he, he's, <laughs> he just <laughs> yeah, he dude, can't you're either in or out around the fact that, like, they're driving fast again. Like, you're in a car group. That's who your friends are. Yeah. What are you doing, Guys, dude? we're driving fast and furious again? That's not what I signed up for. Hey, what's up, everyone, and welcome to Wiki University, a podcast that dives down the rabbit hole of Wikipedia to explore the sum of all human knowledge. I'm your professor, Kyle Verseth, and as always, I'm joined by WikiU's head of the class, Jason Nunez. On this episode of WikiU, we're going to uncover the answers to some difficult questions that I'm sure have been plaguing you. What is the real cause of Bell's palsy? Where did professional wrestling begin? And did Babe Ruth actually call his shot? Or was the sun just in his eyes? So strap on and strap in and take a trip with Jason and I as we make our way across Wikipedia from Bell's palsy to the Sears modern home. I'm excited about today's man because um, I know I don't know much about my topic, yeah. But I'm interested in it. It, it it's always uh, interested me in in it, and because uh, I was also told. Tell your topic. What is it? Say your topic. My topic for today is uh, Bell's palsy. You don't, don't sound anybody... that excited about it. Well, I mean, it's it's a disease. <laughs> it's a well, I don't know what it is. Yeah, is it a disease? It's a. Uh, I think it's or, a uh, disease. A paralysis? We're about to find out. Exactly. I'm not sure what uh, it is. I just know it happens. It's it's rare. From what I remember as a kid, it happened to my uncle. Okay. Then later on, he was fine. So I I don't remember if he took something for it or if it just naturally through time. Uh, And then also, I believe, like, a cousin's girlfriend had it at one point. Wow. It sounds like it was spreading around your family. I guess so. Yeah. We weren't wearing masks at the time, so that's probably... <laughs> that's too bad, because it would have helped. Yeah. And that's about all... I, oh, okay. So then my, my my aunt and my mom both had told me that <laughs> their main thing was don't go to the fridge, to the refrigerator in the kitchen. When you're like when you're sleeping, don't just wake up. Otherwise, you'll from, get Bell's palsy. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll get Bell's palsy. Like, she's like, if your body goes from like being warm to having coldness right yeah. at you yeah like you'll you'll get it and i was like, like okay like walking outside of a warm house in the winter time and just yeah like get- but if you were like naked if you were like just like warm like if you were just warm in bed and then you went outside or you know in my case the refrigerator and also another thing was like you don't want to you don't want to go to the refrigerator like barefoot that's even worse 
Oh, that's even, your mom's a witch. Oh, I mean, yeah, definitely. She has partaken in, in definitely a couple of seances. <laughs> you think I'm fucking with you? She's a she's a devoted Catholic, but she has also dabbled with the uh, the dark arts. I mean, a large percentage of Latinas are actually uh, uh, witches. Hey, your words, not mine. I'm not. All right. You think I'm being absurd, but I've been in the presence of ghosts and spirits as a child. Well, you were also in the presence of a refrigerator that apparently gave Bell's palsy. That was the scariest ghost of them all. (laughs) The Bell's palsy ghost. (laughs) And to be honest, I feel like looking back, I just feel like. My mom and my aunt just wanted me to stop eating so much. And they're like, hey, how about you don't go to the fridge at nighttime? Yeah, this is bad for your metabolism. They probably could have said, you'll go to hell if you sneak snacks and you're a liar. Yeah. And you were like, mm, I, that's, a, that's a concept I can't really get. Can you reference my uncle's droopy exactly. face instead? I'm a visual learner. And this like still sticks to me nowadays. I mean, now I don't care about the barefootness, but if I'm like sleeping and I wake up in the middle of the night and I go downstairs to get water, I will open the fridge, but I would stand to the side and open the fridge so that the opening is not like hitting me. Well, let me say on behalf of an accredited university, um, you're an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So anyways, that's all I know about Bell's palsy is that you get it through refrigerators only at night. I guarantee you there's something something there with cold and refrigeration. I guarantee there's not. <laughs> all right then, let's um let's dive into what you're what what, what are you bring to the table? <laughs> <laughs> so when when I was growing up I had a depression era grandfather. Okay. That generation just seemed all about Sears. Yes. Everything. And I know the Sears catalog was like a big deal. You get this big, thick phone book catalog like once or twice a year, and then you can order stuff out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sears was uh, their Google, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Just just Sears it. Yeah. It just Sears it really quick. It did provide everything at one point, right? I mean, it, it had like Kitchen appliances and... Kitchen appliances, toys, bikes, homeware. Everything home except for, like, clothing, basically, I feel like, right? I think they might have... I bet they were into clothing, especially back in, like, the 40s and 50s or maybe even earlier. Okay. But maybe not. I guess it'd be a better comparison to compare it to Amazon. Sure. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Sears should have gone online back in the 50s. Idiots. Idiots. They should have gone on dial-up at least. Idiots. Maybe they were. I don't know. But I'm I'm looking at a very specific topic today, which is called Sears Modern Homes. And I remember my grandfather telling me about ordering stuff from Sears. And then he said you could order a home from their catalog. And I and my mind was blown. So okay, really quick. So they were like the Costco. Can you order a house from Costco Costco now? I 100% guarantee you can. You can get like a vacation. You can get flights. Well, you can order. I just actually, I didn't even connect these two. I didn't think about it when I was picking my topic. But just yesterday I was on Amazon 
You can order a house on Am- like a cabin on Amazon. It's like $33,000 or something. Like how many square feet? I would guess about 1,000 square feet maybe. So it's not. That's still, that's a pretty big cabin so. Maybe I'll say 500 to 1,000. Somewhere in that range. Is it is it prime? <laughs> yeah, yeah, free shipping. That's kind same of a day? great deal. Is it same day shipping? Same day shipping. Yeah, it arrives the next day. So <laughs> let me ask you so did these houses like if you get one of these Sears houses, do they come with a little like Sears? Uh, you know, you, it comes with a washer dry, like it comes furnished. Let's read a little bit. I think we should start at Bell's Palsy and end on Sears. I think Sears? that'll be an sure. easier route for us. Yeah, I know you, and you always want to take the easy way out. Yeah, we could probably make it either way, but let's take the easy yeah. way out. But let's keep. But just to let the listeners know, we like it both ways, but we're gonna take this route. I just want to finish on Sears. Oh, gross. Let the hunt begin. I'm going to give a quick rundown of Sears Modern Homes here, and then we'll hop over to Bell's Palsy and make our way around. Cool. Sears Modern Homes were catalog and kit houses sold primarily through mail order by Sears Roebuck and Company, an American retailer. Sold primarily to customers in East Coast and Midwest states, Sears homes have been located as far south as Florida and as far west as California. That's as far west as you can go. Examples have also been found in Alaska, all right, I take it back, and Canada. Sears reported that more than <laughs> 70,000 of these homes were sold in North America between 1908 and 1940. And to answer your question... Sears Modern Homes offered the latest technology available to house buyers in the early part of the 20th century. Central heating, indoor plumbing, and electricity were all new developments in house design that Modern Homes incorporated, although not all of the houses were designed with these conveniences. Let's go to Bell's Palsy, baby. The only disease you can get from your fridge. At Sears, we'll provide you with a modern home. All the conveniences, indoor plumbing, electricity, refrigerators that give you diseases. <laughs> Wasn't there a football player called like the refrigerator or something? Yeah, Refrigerator Perry. What if he gave you uh, Bell's Palsy? Oh, wow, I yeah. I could if he probably if he could the shit if he out of hit you. you hard yeah. enough. He was a fun player. Fun, fun guy. I think he's dead, unfortunately. Oh, man. Probably a heart attack given to him by his oven. (laughs) All right. Bell's palsy, more commonly known as Jim Ross disease. Actually, I thought Bell's palsy was the most commonly known version of it. Anyway, more commonly known as Jim Ross disease is a type of facial paralysis that results in a temporary inability to control the facial muscles on the affected side of the face. Symptoms can vary from mild to severe. They may include muscle twitching, weakness, or total loss of the ability to move one side of the face in, and in rare cases, both sides of the face. Other symptoms include drooping of an eyelid, a change in taste, pain around the ear, and increased sensitivity to sound. Typical symptoms come on over 48 hours. Oh, that's, that's rough. So you can like start to see it happening. And then over two days, it just gets... In a day, yeah. Ah, and it's... What are you going to do? You you can't stop it, probably. It just continues. It's a slow two-day build where you're like, something seems off with my eye. 
fuck? You just stay in the mirror for half a day. <laughs> exactly. Fuck. The cause of Bell's palsy is unknown, but it may be from household appliances. Risk factors include <laughs> diabetes. See, okay, risk factors. This is where the extra food comes into play. Mm-hmm. Risk factors include uh-oh, diabetes, uh-oh. a recent upper respiratory tract infection, and pregnancy. It results from a dysfunction of cranial nerve 7, which is the facial nerve. Many believe that it is due to a viral infection that results in swelling. Diagnosis is based on a person's appearance and ruling out other possible causes. The condition normally gets better by itself with most achieving normal, near-normal function. Oh, that's good. That's promising. It's just a real bummer because it's like, it's your face. It's the front. It's the first thing that people see. It's the first thing that, you know, you, you connect with, you, that you yourself see in the mirror in the morning. And it's like, I'm sure it's like to the self-esteem so disheartening. Yeah, it's probably pretty rough on the self-esteem, especially if you're meeting people and you're, Especially if you're like, if you got a nice smile. Yeah, and you know me. I'm all about my self-esteem. You're uh, very narcissistic. Hell yeah, I'm all about that shit. Me too. I don't even need a mirror. I saw my shadow the other day and I started adjusting my hair. <laughs> you start. I can just picture you judging your shadow, like calling your shadow, like, what the? F- do something with yourself. What are you doing? <laughs> I have a disease. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, risk factors include, I mentioned these other ones already, uh, diabetes, a recent upper respiratory tract infection, and pregnancy. Weird. Maybe your mom is onto something because pregnant mothers, sometimes they can start craving ice cream. That is true. They're going to the freezer. They're getting Fridge. hit with that cold air. Face droop. Maybe my mom got it when she was like pregnant with me or something or with my brother. And then she just kind of like put she put two and two together. She put two and two together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's your mom's name? Carmen. Doctor Carmen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a. It's pretty vague. I think maybe they haven't done a ton of research on it. Probably because it's not. It doesn't affect people on a huge level. I don't know. Um, we could go to treatment, which is steroids, antivirals, eye protection, physiotherapy, or surgery, uh, as well as alternative medicine, which I, I bet your mom would have gone for. Yeah, let's go alternative. All right, so this is treatment under alternative medicine. The efficacy of acupuncture remains unknown because the available studies are of low quality. I guess with acupuncture, maybe they're putting the needles in your face. That's alternative medicine. That's it. Have you ever done acupuncture? No, but I'm very curious about it. Should we go to acupuncture? I am too, kind of. Yeah. I am curious too about it. I I, want to, you know, even though I don't like, I don't know, needles on me, it's still... They're just little guys. And I do feel if it's a Japanese person doing it... Oh, of course, it has to be... Definitely has to be a Japanese person, dude. I'm like, I'm not letting no white person. I'm not letting no white person stick needles in me. What are you insane? Do not let a Japanese person do it either, because acupuncture is a form of alternative medicine and a key component of traditional Chinese medicine. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I, no, no matter. No, I don't care. You're 
If you're Asian, you're good to go. All right, acupuncture. Uh, as I mentioned, it's a traditional Chinese medicine. Acupuncture is a pseudoscience because the theories and practices of TCM, which is traditional Chinese medicine, are not based on scientific knowledge. Ouch. Okay, so but real quick, in China, that's a practice that they use? As I mean, Yeah, it's traditional Chinese medicine. Well, I just mean, do they put in more value into that? Than than how we do here in the, in the Western world. You mean like, do then, they not then real medicine? Like like do doctors in China either prescri- can prescribe Western medicine or uh, whatever it may be aside from acupuncture? I like, have no idea. I'm, both, this isn't or? really my oh, okay. field of study. But you're not Chinese, according to <laughs> no, I'm not. Oh, I don't see races and stuff, so I wouldn't know. That's I'm just fair. taking a stab in the dark. Yeah, stab the stab the dark. I do. Uh, what's it called? It's called a uh, blackout acupuncture. It's uh, acupuncture and just complete darkness. <laughs> so- sounds safe. <laughs> Here's what I'll try to compare i'll maybe make a comparison too it has been characterized as quackery and i think maybe the western equivalent could be uh chiropractors okay yeah because they they, they're not taken seriously right they're not taken seriously but people do go to chiropractors and swear by them yeah, I just remembered uh, back in like high school and like younger, I used to like, uh, I was technically a chiropractor. I used to uh, crack all my friends' backs because I was I was a big kid and I could lift everybody. You've cracked my back. Yeah, all my homies were like skinny, all my friend, homies were like skinny bros and we used to do this thing where like, they they put their arms across on as a che- uh, around the chest right there and I, and I go behind them. Insert your and- penis. And I assert myself right behind them, and then I, I and I grab my wrist around them, so yeah. I, I'm bear hugging them from the back. You don't have just to describe the whole process. We've all seen it. It's a very, I mean, it's a very sexual move, but uh, <laughs> at the same time, yeah, you're, you're getting me too turned at, on. Please, at the same time, um, that's why I was that's why I was describing it. I was just getting turned on describing it. Keep your um, a back cracking uh, erotic fan fiction out of this, man. <laughs> I'm enjoying it too much. <laughs> So we so we used to do that, but then also there was like another method, because then like I remember like our couple of friends got into it. We're like, oh, let's crack each other's backs and stuff like that. And I was taught yeah. like this different method where like you probably done it. Uh, the person lays down on the on the on the ground, face down. Yep. You go behind again. It's 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 uh it's pseudo sexual. You remove all your clothes. You lay on top of yeah. Them. First off, what? Yes, yes. That, you shouldn't have removed your clothes because you start with no clothes anyways. So the person is on the ground face down and you go behind them yep. facing the same way and you go down on their um <laughs> you go down on their back <laughs> you go with down your hands. On their <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm terrified of your back cracking. Now, Kyle, you wanna take a deep breath. <laughs> you want to take a deep breath, and I'm slowly going to insert my tongue. The friction should start a fire. <laughs> what you do as a chiropractor in the back, you start off with the lower back, and you push forward as you push down, and then you start lower back, and then you move up a little bit, and you go and you go up, and you go up, and you go up until you hit the shoulder blades, and then above the shoulder Every blades. Every single vertebrae. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I definitely, I don't know, I'm, I'm most of them are dead. Well, for... <laughs> <laughs> Most of my friends that I did that to—they're either are dead, dead or paralyzed. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> they're just shrimping. They're just shrimping around. <laughs> All right, so we're on acupuncture. Acupuncture is a form of alternative medicine. It is used co- most commonly for pain relief, though it is also used to treat a wide range of conditions. Acupuncture is generally only used in combination with other forms of treatment. Well, that makes it really tough to know which one is working, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure acupuncturists are also like, this is going to cure your cancer, but also get chemotherapy. And also just start eating better and stretch. And drink more water. (laughs) With those combinations, and then you come here three times a week, uh, you'll be good to go in about five years. Uh, For example... The American Society of Anesthesiologists states it may be considered in the treatment for nonspecific, non-inflammatory low back pain only in conjunction with conventional therapy that works. Acupuncture is the insertion of thin needles into the skin. According to the Mayo Foundation for Medical Education and Research, the Mayo Clinic, A typical session entails lying still while approximately 5 to 20 needles are inserted. For the majority of cases, the needles will be left in place for 10 to 20 minutes. So why does this work? I want to see... So here's efficacy, which I I don't really know what that word means. But acupuncture (laughs) has been researched extensively... As of 2013, there were almost 1,500 randomized control trials on PubMed, which I guess is medical publications, with acupuncture in the title. I thought it was like a bar hospital. The results of reviews of acupuncture's efficacy, however, have been inconclusive. After all these years, they can't conclude. In January 2020, David Gorski, and hey, that was this year, He analyzed a 2020 review of systemic reviews concerning the use of acupuncture to treat chronic pain. Writing in Science-Based Medicine, Gorski said that its findings highlight the conclusion that acupuncture is, quote-unquote, a theatrical placebo whose real history has been retconned beyond recognition. I don't know what retcon means. Retconned? It's got a link. I'll just click on oh, it. Oh, when you retcon something is when you kind of like, uh, or at least in movies, is when you go back and like, uh, I think the previous whatever like, doesn't you. count. Like, let's say if, uh, let me try to guess. <laughs> okay. At least in at least in movie at least in movie terms. Yeah, let me have fun a little bit. All right, all right let me all learn. Right, all right, all right, Don't right. just tell me. All right. I believe what retcon is is when you have. Let's say like a, a first movie's good, then the second movie comes out and it's shit, and then like years later they do they make another movie. Uh, basically, that third movie will continue from the first movie, and the second movie is retconned, I believe. Okay, meaning like it's no longer a part of canon. For example, Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. No, that is a terrible example because it's a huge part of the canon. <laughs> it's not retcon. <laughs> I don't think it is a huge part of the canon. They haven't brought those characters No, it's characters a definitely back. a huge part of the canon because the character Han, funny enough, if we're talking like a Han Solo type-esque character, he's an Asian Han Solo. Okay. And uh, he is pivotal oh, in Tokyo Drift. Oh, and he Drift, came back after Tokyo Drift. And he came back. And Tokyo Drift is actually a very pivotal movie um, because it turns, it, it really 
It's good. It gives it. It's better than two. I know that much. And oh, two is so five. the dialogue in Fast and the Furious two. And I'm not an expert on Fast and the Furious canon, but I think I've seen most of the movies proudly. Proudly. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, the second Fast and the Furious. I remember that came out when I was in college, and it was the perfect fun movie to watch and make fun of. I can't believe Tyrese is still in it, and he's like the comic relief. Oh, I know. Yeah, he's the funny one. In those movies, he's the comic relief. (laughs) He's always just like, yo, you're not going to do what I think you're going to do, are you? Yeah. I like how the comic relief is like a just a stacked 10 model male model. Like he's the <laughs> exactly. comic relief. Who's like, always okay. surprised that they're still driving fast. Like he he's <laughs> he just <laughs> yeah, he dude, can't you're wrap either in or out around the fact that like they're driving fast again. Like you're in a car group. That's who your friends are. Yeah. What are you doing? Guys, dude? we're driving fast and furious again? That's not what I signed up for. <laughs> All right. I don't know if you answered my question, but retroactive continuity is what um, retcon. I think I was right. Yes. Okay. Keep going. I think you were probably right. It's a literary device or movies, I'm sure, in which established dialectic facts. Ah, Jesus Christ. I don't know what. Sound it out, Kyra. Come on. We can do it. All right. Retroactive continuity or retcon for short is a literary device in which established Digetic facts in the plot of a fictional work are adjusted, ignored, or contradicted by a subsequently published work which breaks continuity with the former uh, to accommodate desired aspects of sequels or derivative works which would otherwise be ruled out uh, is one reason. Another reason is in response to negative fan reception from previous stories to correct and overcome errors or problems identified in the prior work since its publication or to change how the prior work should be interpreted. Hey, I was right. I'm glad I was right. I knew I I remember that term. And it's just funny how I had to tell you in like my own like way, you know. (laughs) Okay. Retcons are common in pulp fiction and especially in comic books published by long established publishers such as DC and Marvel. The long history of popular titles and number of writers who contribute stories can often create situations that demand clarification or revision. I bet it happens in soap operas a lot, too, because they have such a canon of stories and people dying, people making love. Dying and making love at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, those stories are crazy. There's like witches. There's like witches in some stories. There's like... Yeah, my mom makes a cameo in Latina soap operas. It's all based around fridge drama. Yeah, my fam- no, my family's skin isn't white enough to be in soap operas, dude. You've seen those fucking Spanish soap operas? Is it all pale? I mean, it's all, yeah, I mean, they're all like Mexican and like wherever they're from and stuff. They're all Hispanic, Hispanic Latinos and stuff, but they're the most white, fair skin uh, Latinos like ever. Bunch of Sammy know. Sosas. Bunch of- <laughs> Yeah. What did that guy do to his face? Oh, my God. (laughs) From the roids. I'm telling you, it's the roids. All right. Retcons often appear in manga. Oh, soap operas, serial dramas, movie sequels, cartoons, professional wrestling angles, video games, radio (laughs) series, and other forms of serial fiction. Like this podcast. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, we can't keep track of what's happened in this podcast. All right, let's go to professional wrestling angles. Oh, angles is a separate article, so we just went to professional wrestling. Let's do that. Yeah, that's way better than the angles they take. I'm curious about the history of professional wrestling. I think we all know it's a form of theatrical performance wherein athletic performers portray prize fighters competing in matches with predetermined scripted outcomes. It's like jocks that got into theater. I mean, look at The Rock. He's acting now. He's an actor. Yeah. Did you ever watch wrestling when you were little? Not really, no. I mean, I, I would catch really? it. It would come on after Saturday morning cartoons. Oh, really? Actually, hmm. I guess it it was a pretty good lead-in because it would do. they would do Saturday morning cartoons and then uh, American Gladiators, and then, then I think that would lead into wrestling. You slowly expose the nipple <laughs> <laughs> to kids. All right, pro wrestling history. Originating as a popular form of entertainment in 19th century Europe and later as a sideshow exhibition in North American traveling carnivals and vaudeville halls, professional wrestling grew into a standalone genre of entertainment with many diverse variations in cultures around the globe and as of 2020 has become a billion-dollar entertainment industry. Since the 1980s, local forms have greatly declined in Europe, wrestling from North America has experienced several different periods of prominent cultural popularity during its century and a half of existence and has been exported back to Europe to fill the cultural gap left by the aforementioned decline of local versions. Ah, it's like the vacuum created by removing ISIS. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I can't believe The Rock bought the XFL. But is it a good investment? I mean, it seems like a lot of the stuff that he touches right now uh, seems to go to be gold. Yeah, I follow him on Instagram and he's Yeah, you know what I don't like about his Instagram? Uh, He's just like reposting people drinking his tequila. I'm just like, all right, bro. I don't know. There's just like, you're just retweeting brown people being alcoholics. Like, why is that a good thing, bro? Why are you just showing brown people drinking tequila? I might be anti-rock. I might be a little anti-rock now. I'm, I'm like, I'm going against the grain here. He's being, he's being a little bitch, yo. I wonder what the legality is behind that. Uh, there's so much regulation on like cigarette ads and where they can be advertised, and I'm sure, sure there's quite a bit of regulation on alcohol ads. Right, of course, can't go on like you know stuff that's like for kids. Whereas Instagram. It's such a more viable way of advertising. He's got 40 million followers. And a lot of them are under 21. Yeah, and it's alcohol Most of ads. Them God, we sound like 21. a couple of uh, mothers against drunk drivers here. Yeah, I don't have to be a mother to be against drunk driving. Fuck yeah. <laughs> and also, I have... A drunk driven before, okay? <laughs> Everyone has. Don't fucking, don't come at me. Everyone was fucking young. Everyone was 18 drinking before they're 21. I guarantee you everyone been driving. So just to wrap it up, we hate The Rock now, okay? Yeah, Wrestling. just to wrap it up, hate The Rock. He's poisoning <laughs> our children's minds and hearts. He is, he is. yeah. All right, we're on wrestling here. Historians are unsure At what point wrestling changed from competitive catch wrestling into worked entertainment? 
I'm sure the historians are really racking their brains around this. <laughs> Can we get Men's Health Journal to weigh in on this history? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, however, documented accounts do exist. WWE superstar Brett Hitman Hart recalls, quote unquote, a long and fascinating talk he had in the summer of 1981 with great Lou who told him that, quote unquote, the business was a total shoot until about 1925, <laughs> after a time when Jack Dempsey was knocking everyone out in a couple of rounds and Babe Ruth was smashing the home run in baseball. The average world title wrestling match often lasted five or six hours and ended in a stalemate. What? Ed Strangler Lewis... Thize's mentor was impossible to beat, so he eventually worked a title loss just to pump some new blood into the business and make a nice payoff. And that was when it all changed, brother. Ah, okay. So he's saying, so he's saying, like he was winning too much, and he was just like, yeah, he was winning too much. It became boring. He's like, we need more. How do I spice it up a little bit? Yeah. And he's like, oh, what if I don't win? That probably started a rivalry, a rematch, and trash talking yep. and theatrics. Yep. Hey, do you guys want to plan it out or do you want to wrestle for five and a half hours and <laughs> nobody wins anything? You guys, you guys want to read hey, you want to read a two-page script or wrestle for five and a half hours? You- <laughs> well, Jason, maybe we need to take a little page out of wrestling's book and start planning these podcasts. <laughs> You can't with you with that's cheating. That's the whole point of this. You can't plan it out like that. Yes, you can. Maybe it became a billion dollar industry. Maybe this oh, can okay, become yeah. a real university someday, Jason. <laughs> oh my god. I'm curious who Ed Ed Strangler Lewis is, and that would also put us back into like the nineteen twenties, which sounds like a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let me guess, he never beat his wife. Oh, my babysitter. Uh, okay. <laughs> Honey, I'm going to leave the kids with the strangler. You mean Ed? <laughs> oh, he doesn't want to be called yeah. Ed anymore. He prefers strangler. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I went to Ed Lewis, place. the strangler. Okay. Um, And I think Sears, you know, this was Sears Prime, so maybe we can get into, like, the economy of the 1920s or something along those lines to get to Sears. God, how great... Would it be if Ed the Strangler Lewis was, you know, mar- uh, the post poster child for some Sears appliances like washer dryer <laughs> combo? <laughs> Are you tired of fighting with your clothes to get them washed? <laughs> <laughs> Are you tired of waiting a whole day to get your clothes dry? <laughs> <laughs> Ed Lewis, better known. By the ring name, Ed Strangler Lewis was an American professional wrestler and trainer during his wrestling career, which spanned four decades. Lewis was a four-time world heavyweight wrestling champion, allegedly, and overall recognized officially as a five-time world champion. Considered to be one of the most iconic and recognizable sports stars of the 1920s, alongside boxer Jack Dempsey and baseball player Babe Ruth, Lewis notably wrestled in over 6,000 matches, Jesus Christ, and only lost 32 of them. He was pososthumously nailed that word, baby. Nice. I'm learning to read. 
<laughs> I like how that's like a spelling bee's first uh, word. Like level one spelling bee word is is that is uh, posthumously. <laughs> Shut up. He was <laughs> he was posthumously inducted as a character member into the following Hall of Fames: Wrestling Observer Newsletter. They have a Hall of Fame. Uh, anyway, he's in a bunch of Hall of Fames, and he's one of the most legitimately feared grapplers of all time. Ooh. All right, professional wrestling career. He was born in Wisconsin to German parents. His actual name is Friedrich. Uh, Let's get to the strangler part. He began wrestling professionally at age 14 using the ring name Ed Strangler Lewis, first in Kentucky, partly in tribute of 1890s star Evan Strangler Lewis. And so his parents wouldn't discover it was him. Hey, when I started stand-up, I used a stage name to hide it from my uh, my work. I didn't because I didn't have work at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I was worried someone would find something offensive, I said, on stage and cancel me before before cancel culture. Yeah, yeah. Oh, most definitely. I thought, th- I thought about that, too. And now you can easily find a lot of my shit online. There's a lot of stuff on SoundCloud. Oh, boy. <laughs> I have a couple of freestyles on SoundCloud that aren't aren't kosher for 2020. Okay. He was a pivotal figure in the quote-unquote gold dust trio, along with promoters Tootsmont and Big Billy Sandow, a traveling roadshow that was the precursor to wrestling tours and which revolutionized professional wrestling by creating undercards, promoting full events instead of one-match shows. They also developed the first professional wrestling storylines, creating worked feuds between wrestlers. Because of the legit skills that Lewis possessed, the trio could put the title on whoever they wanted because Lewis had the ability to defeat anyone who would not follow the script. Oh, so if they're not following the script, he's like, I'm just going to take over and win. He can really get at him. Yeah, he's okay. He was like, I still got it. Okay. Um, Is there Babe Ruth? Remember, you uh, want to go to Babe Ruth? Yeah, yeah. I'd like to know a little bit about a little more. All right, let's go to Babe Ruth. I just knew he had like a beer belly and he fucking killed it when it comes to fucking home hitters. Well, baseball is one of the few sports that you can eat while playing. Yeah, in fact, they encourage it. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, George Herman Babe Ruth. Uh, We know what we know all about Babe Ruth, right? Wait, his name is George Herman. Yep. Yep. There's clearly I don't know. (laughs) You keep telling me that. Who is she? What? What? The Sultan of Swat. The King of Crash. The Colossus of Clout. The Colossus of Clout. Babe Ruth! The Great Bambino! Oh my God, you mean that's the same guy? Yes! I just know that he makes delicious turd candies, and (laughs) he hits home run hitters. All right, nicknamed the Bambino, the Sultan of Swat, he began his MLB career as a star left-handed pitcher for the Boston Red Sox, but achieved his greatest fame as a slugging outfielder for the New York Yankees. You knew he started as a pitcher? No. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was a pitcher for the Red Sox, but 
Maybe we should go to, yeah, let's go to Seattle to New York. In March 1919, Ruth was reported as having accepted a three-year contract for a total of 27000 after protected negotiations. Nevertheless, on December 26, 1919, Frazzi sold Ruth's contract to the New York Yankees. So getting back to some of the mystery behind it. The often told story is that Frazzi needed money to finance the musical No No Nanette, which was a Broadway hit and brought Frazzi financial security. That play did not open until 1925, however, by which time Frazzi had sold the the Red Sox. He sold the entire team. Still, the story may be true in essence. No No Nanette was based on a Frazzi-produced play, my Lady Friends, which opened in 1919. I didn't know Nanette came out that long ago. So, obviously, there's a ton of stuff we could go to with Babe Ruth here. We could go to the called shot. Ooh, let's go to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when he, like, point. That's when he points out, right? He's like, I'm going to hit it over there. Allegedly. You know, people built their own narratives back then as much as they do now. Yeah, that's true. Like, cause if he if he like Instagrammed it, if somebody Instagrammed it, we'd like really know it. Yeah, but but also like everything's so calculated now that he's probably like, I'm gonna call my shot for the gram. Oh sure, that's a boss move though. What's uh, so? What's up with the? Okay, do you want the long story or the short story here? Let's go with short, bro. <laughs> okay, short story. Uh, this is during the 1932 World Series. I I guess there was an issue earlier in the game. The issue being, I think, Babe Ruth hit a home run. The crowd threw lemons at him as a sign of derision. Now, here we go. When Ruth came back up to the plate in the top of the fifth, the Chicago crowd and players led by pitcher Guy Bush were screaming insults at Ruth. With the count at two balls and one strike, Ruth gestured possibly in the direction of center field. And after the next pitch, which was a strike, may have pointed there with one hand. Ruth hit the pitch over the center field fence. Estimates were that it traveled nearly 500 feet. The incident has gone down in legend as Babe Ruth's called shot. The Yankees won game three and the following day clinched the series with another victory. During the game, Bush hit Ruth on the arm with a pitch causing words to be exchanged and provoking a game-winning Yankee rally. Nothing, nothing like a good old-fashioned Yankee rally. Yeah, we need. All right, we need to get to like something that's retail-related here. Yeah. Who? Oh, who made their uniforms? See who made their uniforms. <laughs> I don't. I don't know that that's. What? In here. That's got to be important. Wait a minute. Sears is in Chicago. Is that where it started? We could go to Chicago. Yes, here. I mean, well, the Sears Tower. They shipped it. It was like on the catalog. It was in the ca- the Sears Tower was yeah. in the catalog. That's yeah. Legit. And they had and uh, Sears bought it from itself and erected it nice. on site. One day shipping via steam engine. I guess steam engines can be used on trains, right? Yeah, that's a classic choo-choo train, bro. Where have you been? Where's your child <laughs> been? Where? Your childhood, that is. Your ch- my child? I don't know. <laughs> yes, Where's ch- my child? <laughs> oh, shit. You've been podcasting for 18 years. Your kid's 18. <laughs> no, I missed his whole childhood or hers. Their choice. 
All right, let's go to we gotta we gotta move on. So why don't we go to the nineteen thirty two World Series? That's moving on from baseball. <laughs> we'll get over to the Chicago Cubs, maybe. Shot town. Shot town. We're gonna show them how we get down. Well, in the history of this prestigious university, this is a first. We were unable to complete Bell's Palsy to Sears Modern Home in one episode, so this is going to be a two-parter. Some people might accuse us of having too much fun, too many riffs, they went on too long, we talked about too fast, too furious, too much. That may be true, but next week, tune in to hear the end of this episode. We're going to get to Sears Modern Home one way or another. And before I go, just a few quick plugs. As always, music for the podcast was provided by Davey and the Chains. The song is Solid Gold Blues, and you can find them on Spotify. Also on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts is... My other podcast that I do with White Bones called The Roamers Book Club. If you want to creep on Jason, follow him on Instagram at Laftinas. You can also follow me on Instagram at Kyle Berseth. And finally, if you'd like to email us, you can send us an email to wikiupod at gmail.com. That's wikiupod at gmail.com. Tune back in next week when we're going to be sitting in our brand new Sears Modern Home. Bye.